0: THANK GOD, I DO. (laughs) IN THESE UNCERTAIN TIMES, THANK GOD, I DO. AMEN. I'M NOT BY MYSELF IN THIS. I'M NOT OUT THERE IN THE WOODS TRYING TO FIGURE OUT HOW TO GET HOME WITHOUT A COMPASS. BUT I HAVE A SHINING LIGHT. SHINES UNTIL THE MORNING. TURN WITH, IF YOU WOULD, TO HEBREWS CHAPTER TEN. HEBREWS CHAPTER TEN. Stand with me if you would for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews is in the back of your New Testament. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. If you get to James, you went too far. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-two. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and much more as you see the day approaching." For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses, of how much sore punishment suppose ye that he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, And is done despite under the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Thank you Holy Spirit. Thank you Father. Thank you Son. Lord God direct us today God. Lead us and guide us to glorify your name O God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice this morning that serving the Lord is not just a wandering through the wilderness. It's not just something that's happenstance. It's not something that just happens once in a while. Walking with the Lord is simply that, walking with the Lord. You have to put some effort into it. You had to get up this morning. You had to get dressed. You had to come here. I was, I was talking to a, a young lady this week and And she said, you know, Saturdays, Sundays and Mondays are my only two days off and and I hate to spend my day all the time in church. I said, it doesn't start till eleven. It's not like you have to get up at six in the morning to get here. Last a couple of hours. Come back tonight. Last another hour. You know, it's it's not like it's not like the that, that it's a really a big expense of your time. You spend a lot more time doing other things. And, and the point this morning that I want you to hear is that serving the Lord is just that. It's serving the Lord. It's serving one another. It's serving one another. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. TO CONTINUE TO WALK IN THE WALK THAT JESUS HAS GIVEN US, AS HE'S ALREADY SAID NUMEROUS TIMES THIS MORNING, TO CONTINUE TO MOVE FORWARD INTO WHAT GOD HAS CALLED US TO DO. This, THIS WALK IS NOT FOR THE LAZY MAN. THE LAZY PERSON WILL NEVER KNOW THE FULLNESS OF GOD'S BLESSING. SOMETIMES WE WANT ALL THE POWER WITHOUT KNOWING GOD AT ALL. We want to be experienced in the things of God without ever learning about God. We want to be able to be used in the, in the spectacular, and we don't even know how he works and how he lives and how he moves and how he guides our being. And I'm telling you this morning that if we want to be know, if we want to be used of God, if we want to be known of God, if we want to be evaluated by God, then we need to know God. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. To draw nigh unto God, to press into God, to, to put some effort into it is what it requires in order to be able to know God. You can't know someone that you have no communication with. If I was to ask you this morning, how many of you know a celebrity a few of you might raise your hand. But if I ask you what their phone number was, you wouldn't know what it was. Why? Because you know of them, but you don't know them. If you knew them, then you would be able to communicate with them. But if you don't know them, if you not, not if you're not intimate with them and you only know of them, then that's all you know is of them. And when you read something written in a tabloid or you read something written on some kind of slander or something, you know I don't, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. I don't know what she sings. I, I really don't know anything about her. I mean, she's a, a cute little girl. But other than that, that's all I know about. Is her name Taylor Swift? Am I saying that right? Y'all are looking at me like I, I've, I've said something weird. Is, am I right? The little blonde-headed girl? I don't know. What, she sings something about. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what she sings. But she's dating some football player, right? You he, he, think he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, y'all all know about her. Y'all, do y'all know her? <laughs> no. She, she she's play. She's dating this guy, and 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 I don't I don't know anything about either one of them. But I find it amazing that every day when I look on the headline, there's something about her dating this guy. And I'm wondering why in the world I should be so concerned about who she's dating. I wonder why I should be so concerned that she changed a word in a song to reference him. Why does this make national news? What do I care about this? Why do I care about this? But I'm telling you what this tells me is there's enough people that know of Taylor Swift that they're able to sell newspapers with her name being in the headlines. Nobody that reads about her knows knows her. They don't know anything about her. They don't know about her visiting this guy that she's supposedly dating. They spent three days telling me about her sitting in the press box while he was playing football. Why? Why? Because we like to think that since we know about somebody and we know some details about somebody, somehow that makes us think that we know them. But you don't know them. You only know about them. I don't care if you know every word to her songs. I don't care if you know where she lives. I don't care if you, know any, if you know everything about her there is to know. If she doesn't know who you are and you show up on her property, the law will be called and you'll be removed for trespassing and then you'll find yourself in court as a stalker because you don't know her. You may know of her, but you don't know her. And I'm gonna tell you this morning there's a lot of difference between knowing of God and knowing God. There's a lot of difference between being known of God and knowing God. And you can know everything there is about, about how to farm. YOU CAN KNOW EVERYTHING THERE IS ABOUT EVERY PLANT, YOU CAN KNOW HOW TO PLANT TOMATOES AND PLANT CROPS, AND and YOU CAN KNOW ALL OF THAT STUFF YOU WANT, BUT THERE'S NOT GONNA BE ANYTHING HAPPEN INTO YOUR LIFE UNTIL YOU GO OUT THERE AND YOU BEGIN TO PLANT A SEED. YOU CAN STARVE TO DEATH WITH YOUR KNOWLEDGE. YOU CAN STARVE TO DEATH WITH YOUR KNOWLEDGE, BECAUSE IN ORDER FOR THAT KNOWLEDGE TO BECOME PROFITABLE TO YOU, THERE HAS TO BE SOME ACTION TO IT, AM I RIGHT? If it's going to be profitable to you, then there's got to be some action. You can't just tell me, well, I know how to grow them tomatoes. I know how to put, make them strawberries this big around. I know, I've read all kind of stuff about everything that needs to be fertilized. I, I tell you what, if anybody knows how to make a mom live past the time it's flowered, you need to talk to us. BECAUSE WE BUY THESE MOMS AND THEY'RE BEAUTIFUL, THEY'RE GORGEOUS, THEY LOOK SO BEAUTIFUL, AND AS SOON AS THEY FLOWER, AS SOON AS THEY'RE DONE FLOWERING, WE CAN'T KEEP THEM ALIVE. WE, we CAN'T KEEP THEM ALIVE. <laughs> BECAUSE WE MAY KNOW ABOUT MOMS, BUT WE DON'T KNOW HOW TO, WHAT, what A MOM needs. YOU KNOW? And, and you can know everything there is about fertilizer, and you can know everything there is about planting, and you can know everything there is about harvesting, and you can, you can, even, you can even spell all the words in Don, John Deere and spell it right. But until you put a seed in the ground, and you start plowing and you start protecting those crops and you start weeding those rows and you get ready for everything that you know, all of your knowledge, until you put it into action, it is not profitable to you. You can know everything there is about faith, but until you put it into action, it's not profitable. You can know everything about divine healing, but until you know the healer, it's not profitable. You can know everything there is about having church, but until you start coming to church and participating in church, it's not profitable. You can know everything there is about being in the ministry. You can know everything there is about how to be a pastor, but until you take a church, it's not profitable. And in order to profit in God, you must know GOD, NOT KNOW ABOUT GOD, LET US DRAW NIGH, LET US DRAW NIGH UNTO HIM. THE SECOND THING IT SAYS THERE, NOT ONLY DRAWING NIGH UNTO HIM, IT SAYS LET US HOLD FAST THAT PROFESSION OF FAITH. LET US HOLD FAST THAT PROFESSION OF FAITH. SO MANY PEOPLE START RUNNING A GOOD RACE, BUT THEN THEY GET BURDENED DOWN AND THEY FALL OUT OF THE RACE. Hold fast. Stick in there. Stay with it. I'm telling you, you're going to have lots of opportunities over the next year or two years to walk away from God. There's going to be times you're disappointed. There's going to be times it doesn't work out. There's going to be times when life just gets in the way and everything gets, start, gets plans on a Sunday and on a Wednesday. And there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to be able to, to, to lessen your commitment to God and to walk away from it. There's lots of opportunities for you to be able to say, well, that didn't work out right. Or, 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 or God, God disappointed me there or, or my friends disappointed me here. We can have a, lots of things that happen, but by, the Bible tells us this, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. What does that mean? Let us hold fast. It simply means we keep doing what we know to do. We keep pushing where we know to push. We keep, we keep worshiping where we know to worship. We keep, we keep allowing God to move in our lives where we know God can move in our lives. We hold fast. We determine, I shall not be moved. <laughs> I shall not be moved, hallelujah. I shall not be moved. I'm gonna make heaven my home if it makes everybody else upset. I will not be moved by my culture, I will not be moved by my family. I will not be moved by my situation. I will not be moved by offenses. I will not be moved by disappointments. I will not be moved by anything that comes against me. Why? Because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I commit unto him against that day. In Acts chapter 19, Paul says something that's interesting. In Acts chapter 19, Paul says, I will see Rome. And in Acts chapter 20, you start finding Paul as he begins a journey back to Jerusalem. You say, Paul, why are you going to Jerusalem? He's going there to keep the feast of Pentecost. So, he's headed back to Jerusalem to keep the feast. Whenever he arrives at Troas, there's an apostles and people that are there, they begin praying for him and they begin to to speak under the anointing of the Spirit and they tell Paul under the anointing of the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. They begin to tell Paul these things, and if you if you begin to read, you'll find out that there's a there's a point there in Acts chapter 19 where the Bible says that the the ship that was bringing them back it stopped in a place called Asos, and Paul got out there, and while the ship went around the peninsula, Paul walked across it. Why would Paul get out of the ship, and walk across when everybody else is riding? I believe it's because. Some people were telling Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. And Paul knew he was going to Rome. And so Paul began to say, am I missing the Lord? Why should I not go to Jerusalem? Should I go to Rome? And I think on that walk between Asos to the other side of that peninsula, I think Paul settled it in his mind, I'm in the will of God. I KNOW WHAT I'M DOING, THIS IS WHAT GOD HAS CALLED ME TO DO, I'M GOING TO STICK FAST TO MY PROFESSION OF FAITH, I'M GOING TO STICK WITH WHAT GOD HAS TOLD ME TO DO, AND I'M GOING TO STAY, stay STEADFAST IN WHAT THE LORD HAS SPOKEN TO MY HEART. SO WHEN HE SHOWS UP AT TROAS AND THEY BEGIN TELLING HIM IN THE SPIRIT, YOU SHOULDN'T GO TO JERUSALEM, PAUL SAYS HE'S GOING TO JERUSALEM. When he begins to get to the next place and a prophet named Agabus comes and takes the girdle off of Paul and binds his own hand and binds his own feet and says, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall they bind the man that wears this girdle when he arrives in Jerusalem. And everybody begins to say, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to be bound in Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Paul said this, I'm ready not only to be bound but to die for the name of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Why are you doing that Paul because he had already settled it back there walking across the Isthmus of Asos He already knew what God's will was He knew he was going to Rome and he knew it was God's will for him to go to Jerusalem. Are you still with me? Have I lost you? He knew God's will and he stuck fast to God's will and he stayed with the plan and whenever he got to Jerusalem everything was good for about six days but on the seventh day they found him coming out of the temple and they began to start an uproar in Acts 21 and you find out that they came out there and they began to be- beat Paul because they thought he would brought an Ephesian inside of the temple to profane that holy place and they began to beat Paul and the Romans had to come rescue him and he went down there for the next two years, three years, for the next three years. He is in a Roman prison in Jerusalem and then he goes to Caesarea and he's there before Felix the governor. He sees King Agrippa and his sister Bernice. He's doing all going through all of these things. Why? Because he went to Jerusalem and he knew the spirit told him that when he got to Jerusalem he was going to be bound but he said none of these things move me because he had already decided that that's what God's will was and he knew that I'm going to see Rome. Some of you, the first time things start going bad, you decide you need to quit. First time things get hard, you say, wait a minute, I must not be in God's will. First time it gets difficult, you want to turn around and not go no more. But I want to let you know, you need to settle it in your mind. You need to to draw near with a full heart. You need to hold fast to that profession of faith that says, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. I know I'm in God's will. I know I'm in the right place. I know I'm in the right season, and I don't care about the struggles and trials that may come at me. I don't care about the fear that rises up against me that tells me if I go into full-time ministry I'm not going to be able to feed my family. I'm not going to live on those fears. I'm going to draw fast to what God has told me. I'm going to put my stake down in the ground, and I'm not going to leave off of it. I'm going to stand in the field of beans, though there be a thousand Philistines heading toward me, and I'm going to grab hold of my sword because i know that if god be for me who can be against me don't quit cuz it gets hard hold fast hallelujah stick your ground stick your place in the ground and don't move and say i shall not be moved hallelujah my god quit you quit you quit too soon one second before your miracle you decide you're not interested anymore One second before your boy's coming into church, you decide that you're upset about something. Don't do that. Let us hold fast to our profession of faith. The rest of the story, I hate a story half told. The rest of the story is Paul stands before Festus and Festus starts this mess about these charges again and Paul says, I appeal to Caesar. I want to see Caesar about this. He spends a little bit more time there in Caesarea. They load him on a boat. The devil tries to kill him out there in the ocean. Ends up landing on an island called Melita, Malta, right there off the coast of Sicily. Ship takes him into Rome. He spends two more years in prison in Rome. But while he's in prison in Rome, he's testifying every day to a Roman soldier that stays chained to him 24 hours a day. He's testifying to all that come to him. And whenever you read about Paul in the latter books of his life, he says, those of Caesar's household salute you. You missed a chance to say amen right there. Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad I got one. He said, those of Caesar's house salute you. What is that telling you? That's telling you that even though he was in chains, even though he was wrongfully accused, even though everything that happened for him for five years was wrong, was was not done properly, even though he should have been released five years ago and he's still in jail, even though he's doing those things, what is he steadily doing? He's steadily writing to the churches. He's steadily witnessing for the cause of Jesus Christ. He's steadily converting Roman soldiers into Christians. He's talking to those of Caesar's household and converting them into Christians. He's talking to Felix. He's He talks to Festus. He talks to Agrippa. Agrippa said, Paul, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. He's holding fast to his profession of faith. He's saying none of these things move me and neither count I my life dear that I might please the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Hold fast to your profession of faith, church. Don't get sidetracked by the foolishness that's going on around you. Stick your stake in the ground and say I'll not be moved. This is my property. This is my place. I'm occupying it and I'll not be moved off of it. Verse 24, he says... Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and good works. One thing I love about this church that I dearly love about it is a lot of times I'll see something, and Sister Lois is good about it, This several, several of you are, I'll see something where she'll post, thank God for the two angels that came and cleaned up my yard today. She doesn't tell me who the angels are. I'm pretty sure they're not angels because I'm pretty sure they go to this church. I don't know exactly who they are. But what it tells me is somebody saw a need and they met it. Somebody saw a widow in need and they met it. I know that there's been porches built. I know there's been roofs built. I know there's been Things done to, to, to make our widows and orphans' lives easier. I know that, that you consider those that are around you. I know that you look upon each other. I know that you, I know that sometimes I, I know that, that people contact people who are discouraged and they, they talk together and, they, and we, we work together. Why do we do that? Because we love each other. Because we want to see each one of us make heaven. Isn't that the only thing that's important here? Is that each one of us stand around the throne. When I stand around the throne, I want to stand with you. And the best way for me to do this is for me to love you. The best way for me to do this is to to consider one another and provoke unto love and good works and to encourage you and to keep you moving. Not to condemn you. Not to say, oh, you failed, get out. No, you're not part of us anymore. We don't, we don't associate people with fall like that. You know the story. Jesus was teaching a bunch of people on probably on a Sabbath morning and all of a sudden the door breaks wide open and here's a young lady scantily clad that they bring into the place where Jesus is teaching and they throw her at his feet and they catch her in the very act of adultery. <clears throat> Somebody asked me one time, where's the guy? I don't know where he is. I guess he didn't. fit the the mold. They bring her in. They throw her at Jesus' feet. They say the law says that she should be stoned, but what do you say? And if you remember, Jesus stooped for a little while and rode in the dirt, and then after he got through riding in the dirt, he simply said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says that from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and went away. What's that telling me? That tells me that there's none of us without sin. We've all messed up. If you think you hadn't messed up, you just messed up. We've all, we've all made mistakes. We've all sooner or later said, how did I get here? We've all, we've all fallen short of the, of the power of God. We've all said things maybe we shouldn't have said. We've all done things maybe we shouldn't have done. We've all watched stuff maybe we shouldn't have watched. We've all been a part of that. And if God's willing to forgive me, then I should be willing to help you not condemn you, not come against you, not say, well, I can't believe you did that, not, not to say, well, you don't belong here anymore, you're not a, you're not a part of us, because a Christian wouldn't do that. I'm telling you, a Christian is nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. Right. Hallelujah. And whenever we're saved by grace, just like all of us have been saved by grace, God puts his seed within us, and that seed now lives within me, so that whenever I say something I shouldn't have said, that seed said, "Not, that's not you anymore. Whenever I do something I shouldn't do, that seed says, that's not you anymore. Whenever I'm a part of something I shouldn't be a part of, that seed says, that's not you anymore. And sooner or later, that seed should help me to where I'm able to walk and talk in a mature fashion and be a Christian because the seed of the Lord lives within me. And part of that seed of the Lord that lives within me is forbearing one another. Now, the literal meaning of that phrase that Paul uses, forbearing one another, means this. To put up with. To put up with. So just because you're in a bad mood and you're being stinky one day, I don't get to call you and say, I ain't talking to her no more. She's a nut. She's crazy. I ain't having that mess no more. Take, my, take her number out of my phone. Just because you're stinky one day, I don't get to do that. Just because you're stinky one week, I don't get to do that. Just because you're always stinky. I don't have to always say hello. (laughs) But I forbear with you. I work with you. We figure out a way we can be friends and and work together. Why? Because we love one another. And just because your personality is not the same as my personality, I don't get to walk away from you. And you don't get to walk away from me because we love one another. How can we love each other? We're all different people. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different personalities. We all have different likes. We all have different dislikes and I'm telling you that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the church is that we're not all alike. That every service is not alike. That every situation is not alike. That we have people that know how to deal with certain things so that whenever something comes up, the church is able to deal with it. The church is able to move forward. The church is able to function together because some of you are eyes and some of you are ears and some of you are hands and some of you are feet and some of you are knees and, and some of you are ankles and some of you are elbows and some of you are necks. But without you, we don't make it. Why? Because we are here as a body of Christ and our job is to love one another even if you're the foot. Even if you're a toe. You're just as important in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit said this morning, you've not been forgotten. And the reason you've not been forgotten is because the body of Christ doesn't function without you. It doesn't function right without you. If you're a toe and something happens and you decide to leave the Lord, and you decide to leave, leave, them, leave everything and, and go back where you were, then that position where you are is not filled until God sends us another toe. Is that too deep? <laughs> Still with me? So what am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you, let's draw near with a true heart. Let's hold fast our profession of faith. Let's consider one another, and lastly today, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more the more, as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another. Huh. Okay. We have church tonight at six o'clock. You can make it, I'd love for you to be here. I want you all to stand with me right now here's how we're going to end this service this morning um Kenneth would you would you step over there and and turn that deadbolt please and uh Mike would you go back there to that door and turn that deadbolt please So I'm in the front, and we've got the front and back doors deadbolted. <laughs> Are you scared yet? Here's how we're going to end this service. Before we, we're going to keep these doors deadbolted for at least the next five minutes. And then we'll undeadbolt them, and I'll let you go, maybe. For the next five minutes, I want each one of you to find at least five people. And I want you to exhort them. I want you to tell them you're important to me. And then you tell them why they're important to you. You, you tell them you bless me. I'm, I always feel better when I see you here. I want you to find five people and I simply want you to, <coughs> to love on them, to exhort them. You say, oh, it's not my personality. I don't care. I don't care. The Bible says to exhort one another. So for the, And you don't have to say anything more than, hey, I love you and I'm, I, I really do. That's an exhortation. For the next five minutes, hey, put five minutes on the timer. There we go. And we're going to use some technology today. We ain't no podunk church. We got technology. She's going to put five minutes on the timer. God bless you. We'll unlock the doors in five minutes. But for the next five minutes, you circle around. You find you've at least five people. And you exhort them this morning and tell them how much you appreciate them for the next